So what is God doing in this world? It's not too hard to look around at the world and wonder, well, what is God doing? There is evil, there are problems, there's issues, there's difficulties, there's sins. What is God doing? And I think that's an especially troubling uh, question. It can be for uh, Christians. It even is a question that comes up as a point of why people don't believe is uh, you believe in this God, but look around. Look at how bad things are. In fact, we are told in the scriptures that when Jesus rose from the dead, he took his rightful place on the throne and possesses all rule, authority, and power over the nations. And yet, look around. Or even Jesus' own words, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. So ultimately, what is going on? Shouldn't things be better Shouldn't things not be the way that they are? How can there be all of this evil? How can things seem to keep going to greater and greater problems, worse upon worse, uh, and evil upon evil? Well, one of the things that I think is interesting that Jesus does is he wants you to know about his rule, about what that rule would look like. And I think this is important because clearly Jesus knew that we would have this question, we would have this problem, that we'd be looking around and seeing evil and wickedness and and wonder, well, if he's reigning, then why do we see what we have? If he has all authority, then why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he change things? Why doesn't he intervene? And here in Matthew chapter 13, as was just read for us, we're going to notice that there are three parables that address this, three Parables that Jesus tells that ultimately puts his finger on what his rule will look like. He's been telling these kingdom parables in Matthew 13. We've spent the last few weeks looking at them. Here he does it again as as verse 24 just simply opens with he put another parable to them saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared. Let me tell you what my rule, what my authority is going to look like. Here are how how things are going to be. And, and one of the things that we've noted, and I want you to keep in mind here again, is that Jesus tells three straight parables without explanation again. He keeps doing that. He keeps putting out a parable, complicated parables, and then simply walks away to see who's going to try to understand this. And so the framework of our study this morning is we're going to look at the three parables that he tells. Then Jesus goes about telling why he's telling parables like this. And then he's going to give the answer to these parables. And this will be the ultimate answer as to the question that we've just posed. Well, why do we have evil if Jesus is on the throne? Why are things continuing to be bad if Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth? Why doesn't he do something? So let's get into our text. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. If you have a pew Bible there in front of you, that's page 973. As was just read for us, it's a, it's a pretty simple parable that is being pictured in regards to what 
God's rule is, is going to look like. Here you have a master and he is sowing wheat. He plants this wheat in, in the field. And yet all of a sudden as the harvest begins to happen, as the plants begin to grow, that there are weeds that are sprouting up at the same time. The question of the servants is, uh, what did you do? Did you throw down some bad seed? And he says, no, I've sown good seed, but an enemy has come in and he has sown these weeds in the field. And now the question the servants have is, well, do you want us to go out and pull the weeds out? And the master's answer is, no, I don't want you to pull the weeds out. I want you to leave them in place. Because I don't want the wheat to be accidentally uprooted as you pull out the weeds. And the big conclusion really is there in verse 30. That'll be a functional key to the whole of, of our study. Is it says there that the weeds and the wheat are going to be growing together until this harvest time. And that's the end of the parable. You have to love that verse 31 does not say, now here's the answer. And we're not allowed to cheat and go, okay, the sermon now will continue in verse 36 where he gave the answer. That's not what Jesus does. Instead of giving an answer right here, he says, let me tell you another parable. Look at verse 31. And he pulled another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. And it is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Notice the next verse does not say, let me explain that to you. It now goes on to say in verse 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And so two more pictures of God's rule is put forward. After telling the one about the weeds and the wheat, he says, let me give you one more picture. Here we have this small seed. And when it grows, it becomes this really large tree so that all the birds of the air can put their nests in it. And then he doesn't say anything else. You can just imagine sitting there going, these are interesting stories. Okay. And then he says, and then we've got leaven. And the kingdom of heaven, the rule of God, is like leaven that's put into flour. And there you go. The whole dough's leavened. The end. And you wonder why a lot of people have struggled with properly explaining the text. It's not obvious. It doesn't just leap off the page and you go, oh, well, I know exactly what that's talking about. In fact, you see that ultimately happen. Notice in verse 34, now Jesus continues and it gives us a picture by the, by the narration. Verse 34, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fill, fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. What a thought. Just to think about that for a minute. When Jesus has a crowd, he tells a story. He's going to frame these things to the crowds in parables. Why does he keep doing that? Well, another answer is provided here that is similar to earlier in the chapter that we looked at. You will notice the answer in verse, in verse 35 is, 
that I will fulfill what is spoken by the prophet. Now don't read that and go, well, Jesus had to tell parables because that's what the Old Testament prophet said he was going to do. It's not what it's getting at. Notice what the prophecy was. The prophecy was, verse 35, I will open my mouth in parables and utter what has been hidden since the foundations of the world. When you go read Psalm 78, which is where this quotation comes from, the psalmist opens by talking about how things in the past that is, the, the, the knowledge of God are hidden, but in future coming generations, they were going to be revealed and they were going to be revealed by parables. And how interesting that now Jesus is coming along and he's telling parables. This should have been a light bulb of why he keeps telling us parables. Maybe this is Psalm 78 on display, but more importantly, it would have communicated that What he is doing in these parables is not just telling a story, but he is explaining the hidden things of God. The things that had been concealed in the law of Moses, the things that had been concealed by the prophets, things that had been hidden about the kingdom of God. Jesus is revealing them through these parables. And to match that up with what we see earlier in chapter 13, Jesus wants to see... Who wants to know the hidden things? He just told us deep hidden secrets about the kingdom of God in three really strange parables. About wheat and weeds, about a mustard seed, and about leaven. Now who wants to know the hidden things of the kingdom? Well, you're going to have to go to Jesus and say, I see that you're telling parables that are concealing this great truth. And I want to know what you're trying to teach me. I want to know what these things are, as Psalm 78 said, that there would be the hidden things ultimately revealed in future generations. You're telling us these stories and trying to tell us about God's rule. So explain to us those things. And that is ultimately, before we go forward, what is put before us is that there is going to be the need for effort. There's going to be the need for reflection. If we're going to understand what Jesus is saying, that it isn't put there to go, okay, well, I just simply get that. And we underscored that a few weeks ago, that God does not come forward and say, let me make my message as dumbed down as possible. He doesn't do that. It's not that he's unclear, but it is complex and challenging so that we would strive for it. So that we would want to dig in. Who wants to learn? Who wants to know? Who wants to comprehend? We used an illustration a few weeks ago about me looking in a pantry. You might remember that? How I poorly look in pantries and I think I'm looking, but I'm not really looking. Jesus is dealing with crowds and people who think they see, but they do not see. They think they hear, but they do not hear. They think they understand the things of the kingdom, but they really don't. Jesus is trying to challenge that so that they will open their eyes, open their ears and open their hearts. And in fact, you see that really exemplified in verse 36. Verse 36 Then he left the crowds and went into the house. I would enjoy just talking about that the whole time right there. He just told three hard parables and then went in the house and closed the door. Can you imagine? Here here you go. Weeds and wheat and mustard seed and leaven. 
Good to see you all. Glad you're here. Good night now. And he goes in the house. I'd be outside going, what was that? But notice what happens. Verse 36. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. There's a sorting that's already happening. Crowds walk away. Disciples go in and ask, tell me more. Explain this to me. You're saying something more than just, hey, there's weeds and wheat in a field. Explain it to me. And that's exactly what the disciples do. Disciples are people who want to understand, who want to learn, who want to dig deeper, who want to grasp these hidden treasures. And so Jesus is now going to give them the answer in verse 37. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all that cause sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Love how parables on that way. Because you know we just said, did you get that one? Did you dig in? Did you listen? Did you hear? But did you really hear? Whoever has ears, let him hear. Let's break down this parable really quick because this unfortunately has been one parable that traditionally has been misinterpreted all the way back to the days of Augustine. For almost 2,000 years, this one has been misunderstood. So we need to be very careful in dissecting what this one is saying. I want you to notice all that I'm going to put on the screen are the exact words of Jesus. I'm getting really complex with the PowerPoint today. Here you go. Here's what he said. Who is the sower? The son of man. This is the big trip up though. Notice that he says that the field is the world. And that is really important. If you've grown up in the pews, you might have a concept that the kingdom always must refer to the church. And so often interpretations here have said, okay, this is talking about the church. That's not what Jesus said. He said that the field is the world. And sometimes the kingdom and the church are used in equation, but not all of the time. And this is one of those instances where he's not talking about the people of God. He is talking about his whole rule, his whole authority, his whole dominion. He is talking about the whole world. That's what he said. The field is the world. The good seed are those who belong to him or described as the children of the kingdom. The bad seed or the weeds are those who are of the evil one. And you won't be surprised who the enemy was in that story. That's the devil, as he says. 
And he says the harvest is what happens at the end of the age. And the harvesters are the angels that the Son of Man will send out on that day. That is the absolute breakdown of everything that he lays out. These are important interpretive pictures about what is going on. And I think this is an important picture because it explains what is going on in the world. One of the reasons why an interpretation that says, well, this is talking about the church and in the church is going to be the good seed and the bad seed is by definition, the church are the people of God and it cannot have evil people and good people in it. You might have evil people and good people in the same church building, but the church by definition is the people of God. And Jesus determines who belongs to his church and there is no evil. There is nothing wrong, no flaw among the church of God. So it can't be talking about that, but it is looking at the rule of God. And I want you to get an interesting sense of what Jesus just said in his rule. There's going to be weeds and wheat. Notice that that's not a big surprise in the picture. In the world, though he is ruling on the throne, though God is in charge, though he possesses all authority, rule, and power, he says the righteous ones, the wheat, are going to be intermingled in the world with the ones who belong to the devil, the weeds. That is what the world is going to look like. So we are not surprised, or at least maybe I should say, we should not be surprised that in the world today, though Jesus is on the throne, that we have a mixture of wheat and weeds. That's exactly what Jesus said was going to be the case. So the big question arises then, why? You have all authority, power, and might. Why don't you do something? Now, there's a simple answer that's not as simple as we should make it out to be. The simple answer that was given for us in the picture, remember that you have the servants asking in verse 28, do you want us to go gather them? And in verse 29, the answer is no. Don't pull them out because you might accidentally pull out wheat when you're pulling out weeds. Now, that on the surface makes a whole lot of sense. But in a spiritual context, that's an insufficient answer. Here's what I mean. If Jesus has all authority and all knowledge and power, don't you think he can figure out who to pluck our weeds and who to pluck our wheat? Is that really that hard? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It makes sense in terms of a picture and going, oh, yes, if I went out and dug around in my yard, yeah, I accidentally mess up my good plants from time to time. That happens all the time, actually. I'm wielding like a crazy man trying to cut off weeds and oops, there went a plant. And so that's the whole idea of the picture. But in terms of God's rule, he knows how to pluck out weeds, doesn't he? Of course he does. This is why the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven in verses 31 through 33 cannot be skipped as so often they are 
because this is explaining that. Let's see the explanation. In the parable of the leaven, you might remember that something is going on there. There is a picture that in his rule, it is like leaven that is put into these measures of flour until it is all leavened. Now, you cooks out there know this very well. Once a year, I get to enjoy my wife making us cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning, handmade. And the night before, as she rolls it all out, she has to do it early because you have to allow time for the dough to rise. And notice that's the idea being put here. The leaven has to be put into the dough. Why? Because you have to allow time for it to do its work. The master is not going to pluck out the weeds because there's still an opportunity for them to be wheat. This is an important picture that God is determining with his kingdom rule. Is that there is not just a static point in time. Okay, you're always a weed. You're always wheat. There you go. Let's just pull the plug on this and start plucking wheat. Instead, he pictures the kingdom as if it is now permeating through the world. Leavening as it goes. So that those who may be weeds could become wheat. There is an opportunity that is being given to people for this transformation to come and be part of the kingdom. In fact, that is the idea of the parable of the mustard seed. It is easy to to kind of just blow by that story. You might remember if you've been with us on Sunday nights, we just recently did that out of Ezekiel 17, where there is a picture that when he establishes his kingdom... His people are going to grow and flourish and be fruitful to such a degree that the birds, outsiders, will come into the tree and make its nest and be part of that kingdom. Both of these parables are showing that what God is doing in allowing weeds and wheat together is to bring more weeds to become wheat. To allow the word to permeate the world. That as we grow and flourish and bear fruit, that those who are on the outside, those who are weeds, would see the blessings of the kingdom of God and want to enjoy it as well. That is the reason why God waits. It's not that he can't right now look down and go, you're a weed and you're a wheat but that he's trying to get all weeds to become wheat. And that's why he's waiting. And that's what this leavening idea is doing, is that we would be permeating the world with the gospel. Now, I'll draw some conclusions at the end, but let me draw one right here that I think is really important that I want to kind of settle in on for a minute. That means right now, That the goal of our existence is not to go around purging wheat. I mean, purging weeds. As the people of God, we can have the tendency to want to be so cranky and mad 
about all of this unrighteousness and all of this evil. Look at what's going on. And yes, it's bad and evil, and we shouldn't be thrilled to see evil, obviously. But the goal is not to go around pulling the weeds. The goal is to transform the weeds. That's what the parables are showing. Why is God waiting? He didn't tell us, go pull weeds. (laughs) He actually told the servants, don't pull the weeds. We're trying to change them. We're trying to change them like leaven going through dough. Or like a mustard seed growing so that the birds will come in and belong. We're giving them opportunity. We're showing patience. We're reaching out at that kind of picture. And so our goal is not to go around pulling out weeds, but be transforming the weeds. And so what I want us to see is that when we ask the question, when we look around and go, well, what is God doing in this world? What is going on? Here's God's big answer. He's waiting. Making sure that potential wheat's not uprooted. And if he's going to ensure that no wheat is accidentally pulled, then he must allow weeds and wheat to grow together. And that has some big implications that we'll talk about at the end. But we need to have this same heart and same vision that God has. The reason why the world is the way that it is, the reason why evil continues on, the reason wickedness is allowed to run is because God is not interested in pulling wheat. He wants to make sure that every weed has a chance to belong to the kingdom of God. But there's one more picture that we need to deal with here. Verse Verse 41, it is interesting in verse 41 that you'll notice this explanation that comes off of verse 40 about the weeds will be gathered together and burned with fire and so it will be at the end of of the age. That Jesus is the one who talks the most about eternal punishment. I find that fascinating. You don't read much about it once you get past the words of Jesus. But Jesus is talking about it all the time. It is always a part of his teachings and explanations, even within his parables. The parable itself had a picture of judgment tied to it. And I want you to see that there in verse 41, the son of man will send out his angels and gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Verse 42, and they are gathered and thrown into a blazing furnace. That is what Jesus said. Now, here's usually the big comeback about that. If God is love, how can that be? How can it be that you have a loving God, a merciful God, a forgiving God, a gracious God, and say that he is going to root out all evil, all lawbreakers, all causes of sin? He's going to do that. Doesn't that violate the very character of God? And I would like to push that one back and say, actually, because God is love, there has to be eternal punishment. There has to be 
judgment. Why? Because God loves all the people you've hurt. We all love this great idea of, oh, he's got to show us love and all that. Well, wait a minute. All the people who you've abused, you've hurt, you've harmed, you've done things to, you've treated poorly. God's got to do something about that. He loves them just as much. Because God is love, he has to act. He has to do something because we've harmed a lot of people. And this idea to say, well, you know, he just can't possibly do something like that because he's love. No, because he's love, he has to do something. Let me just bring it down to a really simple illustration. If somebody harms your kid, what happens inside of you? And why? Because you love your child. Love is the basis of the action. You have to do something because you love them. God loves every single person. And when wrong is done to them because he loves them, he's going to do something about it. And that's what he's telling us right here. All causes of sin and all lawbreakers, they're going to be cast into this blazing furnace. There must be a judgment. And please read verse 42. Nothing when Jesus says this is like, well, you know, at least we'll all be together in in eternal punishment. And so it'll be okay. There are songs like that sing sing stuff like that. Well, if I can't be in heaven with you, at least we'll all be in hell together. No. Please listen to verse 42, where it just simply says weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's Jesus trying to express a spiritual reality. But when you're in life, when when do you grind your teeth? The whole point is just trying to communicate. It's not tolerable. It's not something where you go, well, at least that's not too bad of a plan B second option. You, You don't want this. This is not pleasant. This is not going to be, it's going to be fine there. Notice verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. I want you to underscore one particular word there. You might be surprised at the word that I'm going to tell you to circle, highlight, underline, draw, and put arrows to there in verse 43. But the word is then. He does not say that the righteous now will flourish and shine like the sun. Once the weeds are plucked out and thrown into the fire, then the righteous will shine like the sun. Then is going to be flourishing. Then is going to be justice. Then is going to be glory. Not now, then. He describes now as wheat and weeds together. Then he is going to sort all that out. Five points, very fast, don't worry. Five points, here we go. Number one. The weeds and the wheat. 
are being allowed to grow together. Which means conclusion one. We are going to experience evil while trying to live righteously. And that does not mean that God is not on the throne. It does not mean that he does not see what's going on. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care. It doesn't mean that he's not going to do something about it. All that it means is he is allowing weeds and wheat to grow together now. And by doing so, we are going to experience wicked things, evil things, hard things, bad things. It's going to happen. And he told you ahead of time, that's what my rule is going to be like. Don't question that I'm on the throne, even though evil is going to exist with the good. Even though while you try to do what is right, you are going to have hard things, bad things, evil things happen. That doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean he's not working. And it doesn't mean he's not seeing. And it doesn't mean he's not caring. He just told you this is what his rule would look like. That's what's going on in the world today. Which means number two. He's allowing this to happen with a purpose. God allows evil to continue with a purpose. And he states his purpose. I don't want to uproot wheat. Or as the apostle Peter well stated, he does not want any to perish, but wants all to come to repentance. The reason the evil must continue is because he wants to give chance for every single person to come to him And please, by the way, aren't you glad he did that for you? Aren't you glad he did that for you? So stop trying to pull out the weeds out there. Be glad he did it for you because he's still trying to transform the weeds today, which is point number three. It can be like we don't see it. It seems insignificant, but God is at work. You don't see the leaven working. You just come in the next day on the counter. (laughs) There it is. And we can look around and go, I don't see God working. Oh, things are getting so bad. Oh, I think God's fallen asleep. I don't know that there's a God. He doesn't seem to care. Look at all the evil that's going on. Even though it's unseen and may seem insignificant, God is working in this world like leaven in dough. You may not be able to see it, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. Friends, there are still souls being saved every single day. Just because we don't get to see it minute by minute doesn't mean it's not happening minute by minute. God has a purpose in letting the weeds go on because he is still trying to transform them and bring them into his kingdom so that none will perish and all will come to repentance, which leads to number four. God's doing the sorting. And he sorts with the word. We're seeing that. Why is Jesus telling parables? To see who's going to come in and learn. 
be changed, be transformed? Who's going to be the crowd and walk away? But here's what I want you to get here. God is doing the sorting, not us. Do not pre-sort weeds. Do not decide based on culture, background, color, or wealth, or anything. That person is a weed and they will never change. That is not your job. God's the sorter. God decides. And he's using his word to decide. He is pictured here as the son of man, casting seed, throwing seed everywhere. The seed is doing the sorting, not us. So don't lose courage. Because God will pull the weeds at the end. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't throw in the towel. Look at all the weeds that are here. Did you like my picture drowning in the weeds? I mean, we can feel like that, right? I mean, you're you're surrounded by weeds. Don't give up. God's going to pull the weeds. You don't have to pull the weeds. You don't have to sort the weeds. God's got this. And finally, point number five. Jesus said, there's something after this. After this life, there is a something. It's not a nothing. There's a sorting. And he pictures those who do not belong to him as being cast into a blazing furnace. And those who do belong to him, then shining like the sun. Then glory, then flourishing, then enjoying the promises of God. There is something more. And God said it wouldn't look like it here. Weeds and wheat growing up together. But there is a time to come where God will pluck out the weeds And put them where they belong because of his love. And he will pluck out those who are righteous and gather them in because of his love. Which do you want when we get to that day? Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, give us the faith that we need to see you in your hand. To know that you are on the throne and that you are clearly ruling in this world. And that you have clearly told us the reason why evil and wickedness are allowed to continue to run throughout the earth. And Lord, I pray that when we see evil, it will only stir our hearts to be all the more amazed about your love and patience. That the more that we see of wickedness going on in this world, it will always encourage us to, re- to remember. You do not want to lose a single person. Lord, I pray that we would not only be transformed people, but that we would be a people who are transforming the world by bearing fruit. 
and living our lives for you. Help us to be instruments of the transformation. Forgive us for when we've tried to pull the weeds early. And help us instead to be a people who are shining the way you want us to shine, reflecting your son's glory. And Lord, help us to always take consolation in the knowledge that justice will come. Whatever wrongs that we have felt like we have endured, whatever sins have been levied against us, that you will sort all that out. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we can shine like the sun, that we can flourish, that we can enjoy glory with you. And so forgive us, Lord, for when we have failed. And forgive us for when we have been like weeds. And we pray, Lord, that we would be the wheat that you want us to be. Help us to live for you taking courage in knowing that you are ruling and that one day we will be with you for all eternity. Help us in our effort, Lord, to be your fruitful people. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing an invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus. He told these parables because he wanted you to hear what he has to offer you. The glory of God is available that you can belong to him this very day, turning away from your sins and joining him with all of your heart in faith, confessing him to be the son of God who died for your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins and start that walk with him this very day, forgiven and belonging to him with the hope of the promises he just made in that text. One day, shining like the sun. You don't want to be the weeds cast in the fire, but you want to enjoy glory with him. Can we help you do that today? You can let us know afterward. You can come forward now while we stand and while we sing.